Welcome. Hola. <laughs> I never know how to start out this thing, Me but either. I'm Bryn. I'm Kelsey. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. Yes, I... Please don't mind my voice. <laughs> I am sick again. I literally just got over COVID a few months ago. I do not have COVID no, again. No, she doesn't. Um, our niece came over over the weekend and she just had like a cold and now we all have it. <laughs> Except I for Bryn. <laughs> I know. Bryn literally freaking slept with her and doesn't have it. And I spent, like, the least amount of time with her and I got it somehow. Yeah, I napped with her all day Saturday because she wasn't feeling well. And she's like, let's lay in bed and watch a show. And yeah. I was like, okay, because I was really tired anyway. And then I had a sleepover with her Saturday into Sunday and I somehow don't have it. I don't understand. But we all took COVID rapid tests and we're all negative, so don't come at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not feeling great. Yeah, so... But um, today, you want to talk about the coffee? Or yeah. Do you wanna... Oh, before we get started with the coffee, actually, yeah. we just wrapped up recording an interview with Caitlin Aiken's mom, Lisa. Yes. And if you haven't heard Caitlin's episode, we covered her in episode one, our very first episode of our podcast. Very important. Yes. And the update episode we did, it's short, but it's very important. And if you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's about a search that's going to be happening I mean way beyond yeah, when you're going to be hearing this hear episode this, but, but um go back and listen to it if you haven't it's a little update about her case and um hopefully we'll have a new update with how the uh search went yeah so yeah and I think yeah besides that let's jump into our coffee review yes so today we are again reviewing Fable Grounds Coffee Woohoo! if you haven't heard our whole spiel about Fable Grounds, go back to episode 24, who, that was, was Branch Davidians. Yeah, yeah, Branch Davidians. We talked about, they're about me, and who they are, and how they run their business, and how who does their cool artwork. Yeah, how amazing they are that they're book lovers, and yes. base their whole coffee company around that, and yeah. we, in that episode, Sipped on Fire and Blood and Hades, which yes. Hades is still my, my fave. absolute fave. <laughs> still my fave yeah. out of everything we've ever tried. Yeah. So fucking good. Yeah. Their website again is fablegroundscoffee.com. And today we are going to re- be reviewing two more samples because they sent us six, which is amazing. Boop, boop. Yeah. So today we're going to be reviewing Zeus Blueberry Lightning. That's Ooh. our first one. Yeah. And our second one is um, House Stark Winter is Coming. Yeah. So the Stark blend is a medium roast. Yes. It's an unflavored coffee. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's really good. For those of you people that don't like flavored coffees, this is a really good, 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 good one. Yeah, I usually am a uh, a flavor. I'm a flavor. (laughs) I'm a flavor of the week. No, I'm usually a flavor fan of coffee. Me too. But comparing it to non-flavored coffees that we've had, I really do like this one. Yeah. Did you say it's a medium roast? Yeah. Okay. I think it's... Definitely flavorful. Like, you can taste... I feel like a lot of the times with medium roast especially, you can kind of taste... And dark roast, but medium roast sometimes. You can kind of taste um, almost... Not a burnt flavor, but like an overdone roasting. And Mm -hmm. this one is like perfect. Perfect. Yeah, it's so good. Like, the roast is literally perfect on it. Yeah. I think it's... Let me try it. It's... 
soothing in almost a way when it goes down. It's very, right? it's very like, smooth. Yeah, it's Ooh. it's not harsh at all, but it's flavorful. There's, that there's is, some kind of aftertaste, too. I know, I was trying to figure that out. And just so everyone knows, if you try to find this blend on its own on their website... You will not have luck. Right now, it's only yes. available... Well, as far as we can tell, it's only available in the Game of Thrones house sample pack that you can get for $14. Yeah. So we couldn't see it as an individual pack to see what the actual roast description was. Right. I feel like it's almost nutty or something at yeah. the end. Yeah. It's really delicious. Oh my gosh, it's really good. So what would you rate that one? <sighs> Again, this is the Winter is Coming Stark Blend. I'd probably give this one a seven and a half. Okay. I, I would rate it an eight. Yeah. Especially for an unflavored. Right, and I'm usually a fan of flavored, but for tonight, I think I'm flip-flopping. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, so the next coffee we have, like I mentioned, is the Zeus Blueberry Lightning, and as it's in the description, uh, or as it's in the name, it's blueberry flavored. Mm-hmm. And this is the description on their website. You can buy this one separately. It says, a brew fit for the god of thunder and lightning himself. This delicious blueberry coffee offers a tangy sweetness that will leave you wanting more. Enjoy iced or hot. This roast is offered by itself in a two-ounce size or as a part of a Greek god sample pack. Yeah. I love that they offer two-ounce sample bags, by the way. Like, that's a perfect amount to brew, like, a pot of coffee. Yeah. And, and know to, if you like it. Yeah, right. And to just try around, you know, coffee, yeah. s- coffee slutted about. And it's, like, $5. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... I'm just going to ignore what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this one is blueberry-flavored, and it, uh, like, literally tastes like blueberry muffins came out of the, like, out of the oven. Yeah. And you know what? From what you had just read, I I didn't even think about this before. I think I would lean more towards iced. Iced. I was thinking this. the same thing as I read it. Yeah, because n- typically I'm not a fan of blueberry flavored stuff unless yeah. it's like um, a tea. what did I, yeah a blueberry flavored tea. I like that. Or blueberry-flavored matcha. I like that. But typically with coffee, I don't really yeah. lean towards that. But I think if we iced this, my rating would, would be, be higher. Better. Yeah. What are those little um, mini muffins? Little bites? Oh, my God. Yes! It's a little bite muffin. It's a little bite muffin. Yeah, it That's is. the best way to describe so it. So if you like blueberry little bite muffins, this is your coffee. It is really good, but I, um, I'm not a huge blueberry coffee fan, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'd probably give this one a six and a half. What about you? I would give this one a seven, I think, just because it is good, but yeah, as we mentioned, just the the flavor is not our particular taste. And we're finding that out. It's not yeah. like we knew that. Yeah. But it is good. Fable Grounds, I mean, everything we've drank from them so far, I've loved. So Like, good. I do love that coffee. I just wouldn't choose to drink it every day. I would definitely right. choose to drink the Hades every day. <laughs> I feel like it would be a really good brunch coffee. Like, if you oh, had yeah. people over and you yeah. had, like muffins and like fruit that'd be really good and iced with real blueberries floating in it yeah so if you're Mm. entertaining your bitches on the weekend (laughs) your bitches (laughs) and you want to be a coffee slut (laughs) brew some zeus blueberry lighting yeah Yeah, but fable grounds again we love you we can't say enough good things about you we still have a couple more to review of you guys so you'll be hearing about them again oh my gosh i'm so excited yeah me too and Mom has actually 
she purchased a bunch of coffee from them. I posted it a couple weeks ago on my personal Instagram because yeah. I was sleeping over here and in the morning I woke up and I saw her whole selection of Fable Grounds and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll try one of these today. Yeah. And I had this Snickerdoodle one. I don't know what their actual title is for it, but it was so good. I've had that one too here. Oh my God. It was really good. Yeah. And really freaking good coffee. Yeah, we love their aesthetic too, which we mentioned in episode 24. So hear yeah. all about that. <laughs> Take a listen back to the Branch Davidians episode. Yeah. So thank you, Fable Grounds. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Do you want to get started? Yeah. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. <laughs> okay, so today I'm excited because we're switching it up a bit. We're going back to our alien episode. Yeah, which we haven't done in a while. We only did one of those. Yeah. And we are covering the 1969 Berkshire UFO sighting. I'm excited about this one because I didn't know much about it before researching. When I think of aliens, I thought of Area 51 and that was like it. Yeah. See, I did just because of a documentary that it was in, which we'll discuss, but I didn't realize that we had picked that like I didn't realize they were one and the same I didn't yeah we picked this one and then once I started researching I'm like oh wait shit I've seen that yeah so a little bit of background this took place in Berkshire County Massachusetts and this is rural rural oh my god I'm thinking of that meme (laughs) yeah this is rural rural highlands on the western edge of Massachusetts And there's lots of wilderness. It's great for hiking and nature lovers. Um, The Berkshires are, Berkshires, sorry, are also made up of mostly small towns. So Mm -hmm. it's Berkshire, they call it the Berkshires as a whole, but there's all little towns within it. Yeah. And Sheffield, where many of the witnesses in this story resided, has a population of a little over 3,000 people. Just as a little fun fact. Yeah. And it's important to point out that in this area, it's had a a history of UFO sightings both before and after the night of September 1st, 1969, but we're specifically going to be talking about this night because this is just the largest collective of experiences in this county's history. Right. There was a lot of witnesses that night that kind of had a collective um, idea and the same things happened to them or similar. So this is the biggest one that's reported there. Yeah. And it has the most, like, media coverage and stuff on it. Yeah. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the witnesses um, that specifically they're in this um, documentary that we're going to talk about as well. Um, there's like four or five of them. I'm sure there's plenty more, but the point of this documentary was to get people to come forward and talk about that night because these are the ones that have stood up and actually decided to share their experience. Right. Which their experiences are fucking insane. Literally insane. And they still talk about it. Hold on to your spacecraft, kids. Oh God. (laughs) Hold on to your spacesuit. So Jane Green is the first witness that we're going to be talking about. She lived in Great Barrington since she was 12 years old. She came from a prominent family, and they actually owned the oldest Rexall pharmacy in the Northeast. Yeah, and that will that pharmacy will be brought up in part of her story. Yeah. Tom Warner is the next witness. Uh, his family lived in the same house in Great Barrington for six generations, which I think is so cool. He is the youngest of seven children, and he was 10 years old in 1969 when this UFO sighting happened. 
Tom Reed is the next witness. He was born in Queens, but then later moved with his family to Berkshire County. Um, he claims that his brother and him were first taken on board an alien spacecraft in 1966. They were taken and released again in 1967. Then they then came the experience that we're talking about today that happened in 1969. Mm. In 1969, his mother Nancy owned a restaurant in the area. It was called the Village Green, and that was in the middle of Sheffield. And it was a local gathering place. And she was basic. She was a single mother at the time of this event. And I I read somewhere that she wanted to move out of Queens to the countryside to make Aww. the best of like the life and and give everything to her boys that she could. Aww. Yeah. And the... Including alien experiences. Right. She's like, I was not expecting this, (laughs) but... So the next and final witness that we have on here is Melanie Kirchdorfer. She lived in Berkshire County since 1957, and she was 12 at the time of this event in 1969. So a lot of kiddos in this. Yeah. Which is, I think, interesting that there was... It was a bunch of kids that yeah. shared the experience. Yeah. I mean, granted, adults were involved as well, but yeah, there were, were a lot of children. Like a majority of them. Yeah. So, the main event. Yes. Takes place September 1st, 1969. So, everything we're going to discuss has happened on this day. Yes. Around dusk, Jane Green was driving with her friend Mary DeGrace, who is now deceased, sadly, so she... She can't put her input in this story, but they were driving from Stockbridge to Great Barrington, and they saw several bright lights ahead of them, and they thought, oh, like, maybe there had been an accident, and there were a bunch of police car lights, like, what could these lights be? Yeah. Yeah. So, as they drove closer, she couldn't drive anymore because the lights were so bright that she had to pull her car to the side of the road, which... I've had that from sun glare before, and I'm yeah. I'm assuming this is way more extreme. Right. If they were coming from a spacecraft. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> no. Me. So, there was actually a car in front of them that also did the same thing and pulled to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And Jane and Mary got out of the car to try and get a better look at the lights, because they're like, wait, like, what's actually happening? Like, yeah, do we need to help someone? Yeah. So... They then saw a huge object floating over the road in front of them. Chills. Yeah. And Jane said it was so big that she could not see the end of it from either side. So, like, looking to the left, looking to the right, could not see the end of this thing. That thing had to have been fucking massive. Yeah. And actually, I just triggered a memory. I brought this fact up in our Area 51 episode. Oh, really? Because remember, I was like, some people have seen, like, some people described in this documentary episode that there was, like, sometimes the spacecraft can be so big you can't see the beginning or end of it. Oh, I do remember. Yeah. So, here we are. (laughs) We've come full circle. Another alien episode. Yeah. So, they couldn't tell what color it was, just that it was tall and massive. Mm -hmm. They didn't see any windows on it, and no noise was coming from it, which I find really interesting, because (sighs) this thing is so big. Right. I mean, think of an airplane in the sky, right? Where you can see the beginning and end. Yeah. You see it flying in the air, you hear it. And there was this massive thing that was close, closer to the ground than an airplane, you couldn't see the beginning or end, and it was making no noise. 
That's so weird. How is that thing running? I wonder if it's, like, one of those, like, um, cars you have to charge where they literally make no noise and they have to have a little beeper on them when they back up because nobody can hear them. Maybe, Did you like, know that? No, but maybe, yeah, maybe their technology is that advanced that, yeah. well, the, if aliens exist, you know? Right. Or some being. Yeah. Exists. So, in a matter of a few seconds, the object lifted up, went to the left, lifted up again, and then went over the mountains and was gone. And, I can, like, picture that motion. In my yeah, head. right? And Jane Green was actually a non-believer of UFOs until that night. And then she was like, what the fuck? Aliens exist! Like, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And after seeing the object, she drove into Great Barrington and pulled in front of the family store on Main Street. So that's when the pharmacy comes into play. Yep. And they went inside and told her husband about what happened. They were obviously freaking out. And he told her to report it to the radio station. So then they went to the station and met with Tom Jay, which at that time was the director of WSBS Radio, and he did not believe her until a few hours later he began getting a bunch of calls from other people with similar sightings. He actually told them, like, okay, you guys had a little too much to drink. Like, how rude. I would have been like, I just saw a fucking aircraft, (laughs) and you're telling me I drank too much? Yeah, well... I'd be pissed. There's that toxic masculinity. True. (laughs) You know? And... So, Tom J, I have a, oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. This isn't a quote from Tom J. This is a quote from someone else. His name was David Issy, and he was the general manager of the local radio station, WSBS, and he said, quote, we had listeners call the radio station that evening. At the time, they didn't know it was a UFO. They just, you know, called the station to say something bizarre has happened. All right. So, they heard so many calls that Jay ended up actually calling the police department to see if they were hearing about it. Because he was like, okay, obviously something's going on. Yeah. And he then got on the air and asked listeners to call and report where they had seen the UFOs. So at that point, the radio station became, like, a the base hub. for people to call into. Yeah. yeah. Which I find interesting that nobody nobody was like, hmm, I'm going to call the police. I Like, they just didn't think to do that. They thought yeah. to call the local radio station. I guess, too, he Times figured... Were different. Yeah, and I, he was probably thinking, like, oh, this is where we can collectively see how many people are experiencing right. this at what time, if it's the same time, what, whatever. Yeah. So, they received reports in Pittsfield, Stockbridge, Lenox, Eager... Egremont, I'm sorry, and Sheffield, Massachusetts, and also from nearby Cannon, Connecticut. And many of the groups of people calling had never met before, so it wasn't like friends being like, oh, you call up and da-da-da-da-da-da. Right. Could you imagine the radio station? He's probably like, I'm getting fucking punked. Bombarded. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So, it's believed that these radio reports have since been erased. There's no record of them, which is just really odd. Like, why wouldn't you save that? Especially from a really strange night where, I mean, this is a non-typical thing to happen in general, let alone on a radio station. Well, I read or I watched an interview of a man that worked at WSBS now or around this area, Mm -hmm. time area, and he said that basically it was just like a normal thing to throw tapes away just because it took up so much room. Yeah, but this was like a weird recording. happening. I know. He's and like, like a moment in history in he that He was like, town. I really wish I could share these with you. I'm like, find the damn tapes. <laughs> yeah. Al- maybe the aliens can help out and like... Maybe re- they took Recover them. that information. They probably took them. Or the government. 
It's in Area 51. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah, they believe these reports had been erased, and the Great Barrington Police Department has no records of these reports, and the most significant sighting was in the town of Sheffield. So, Sheffield resident Eddie Galotta, the son of the chief of police, said people had told his father about the sightings and that, quote, the objects were landing and taking off in fields near Sheffield. So, a lot of this was happening in that area of um, Berkshire. Mm -hmm. And so, let me see. I I think it's just crazy, though, that, like, okay, the son of the chief police that she was talking about, Eddie, Mm -hmm. he... I was watching an interview of him, and he's like, somebody has to know more information. Like, just come forward and talk about it. He's like, I really wish I could have seen something, but I didn't. Yeah. And I kept trying to look. But, like, why wouldn't you come forward and talk about it? I guess people are scared of um, being, like, patronized for it. Yeah, like, made fun of her. Been like, oh, you're crazy or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, Eddie's father didn't believe in the sightings, but... As you mentioned, Eddie and his friends hoped to see a UFO, but never did. Yeah. Like, they were trying, they were going out to the fields, they were standing out there and never saw one. For whatever reason. Yeah. So, when Jane Green was contacted about being on the show, here's the big reveal. This is an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, the new show, the new remix of it on Netflix. Yeah, this is actually episode five on that, um... On that show, Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Um, check it out because they did a really good job at interviewing all of these witnesses. And um, it's just, they did a really good job. You should take a look at it. Yeah. So, when she was contacted about being on Unsolved Mysteries, she actually contacted her sons to tell them for the first time about what she saw that night. Maybe she's like, I didn't want to freak my kids out. She or said that. Their- she's like, I, I saw it, but I didn't want to freak my kids out. And then the kids at home saw it, Yeah, ran inside and told their grandma, and their grandma was like, oh, stop, like, making that up. Don't tell your mother that you saw this. Yeah. So, they, when she told them about this, they confessed to her that they, too, had seen the same thing and didn't want to tell her. So, when, years and years and years later, when Unsolved Mysteries contacted them, was the first time they both found out, oh, we both had this experience. Crazy. <laughs> Which is absolutely insane. Yeah. So, around the same time, I'm going to move on to another story. This one's a little shorter. Yeah. Tom Warner was at his neighbor Jane Shaw's house coloring, and her sister Debbie Shaw was actually babysitting them. Mm-hmm. And when it began to get dark out, he went over to a window and looked outside. He was probably just like, oh, I, I need to be getting home soon, you know? Yeah. And he heard a voice say, I guess in his head, kind of, quote, you need to go home now. I wonder what that voice was like. That he was said like, he described it as, like, telepathically, almost. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Fucking terrifying. But, like, I wonder what the voice sounded like. That was probably, it, like, Voldemort's voice? I don't know. Like, when he goes into everyone's heads and is, like... Saying things? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. We should ask him. <laughs> yeah. And he then felt the urge to go home, obviously. He was yeah. probably terrified. Yeah. And Debbie had asked why, and he said, I don't know. And he ran out of the house and across the front yard, back towards his house, I guess. Uh-huh. And Jane went outside after him and watched as he ran in place, ran in place for about five minutes. 
That part freaked me out more than anything in this entire He was day. just, like, running in place. Like, trying to go. Yeah. And he couldn't go. Yeah. Imagine and what she was thinking. Like, what the fuck is he doing? I'd be like, oh my god, this kid's having a mental break. <laughs> right? <laughs> and there were reports that Debbie witnessed this as well, but it's kind of skewed depending on the article, whether she actually went outside too or if just Jane saw. Yeah. So he obviously realized he was not moving, and he said he felt like he was flying. He said, like, totally out of body, like, something was going on. Yeah. Ew, which, that reminds me of the experience I had, which we will cover in an episode coming soon. Yeah. So <laughs> creepy. it was, I was not abducted by an alien, but I had a, sure? a weird experience like that. <laughs> so, um, he turned to his left, saw a UFO, what he described as a UFO, mm-hmm. drop out of the sky, and a beam came from it on, like, onto him. And when the light shone on him, his hands jerked back behind him, which I find even more terrifying than him running in place. Like, he's just, like, (laughs) (laughs) He, like, went stiff, and, like, his chest was, like, up to the sky. Picture this. And his arms were, like, straight back behind him. Yeah. Fucking scary. Yeah. And he said it felt like the air got sucked out of him. (gasps) And then Jane saw the light around him, and he disappeared. And that's where what? we're going to leave his story for now until it intersects with someone else, but... What yeah. the fuck? Imagine just seeing this little boy's arms go behind him, and then all of a sudden, poof, he's gone. Jane was probably like, I'm losing my shit. <laughs> Jane's like, I'm I thought he mind. was crazy for running in place. Maybe he wasn't actually running in place. Maybe I'm, I'm the crazy one. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm, like, absolutely insane right now. How do you get over something like that? You don't. No. That's fucking terrifying. It's like when, uh... What's his name? Parrish. I'm only thinking of his last name. Uh, the kid from Jumanji just disappears oh, into the board yeah. game. <laughs> Co- what's like, his what name? I don't know. Something I, You Parrish. know I don't know names. <laughs> Something Parrish. Come on. <laughs> when he disappears into the board game. Yeah, I have just no poofs. fucking clue what his name is. <laughs> just gone. Yeah. Into the light. Little did little Tom know, all he had to say was Jumanji to get out of that station. <laughs> he would have never known. So... Now we're going to move on to the next witness's account of that night, and this is who we mentioned earlier, Melanie Kirchdorfer. Um, So she and her family were at Dairy Queen that night. Then they went to Lake Mansfield, which was like two miles away from Tom Warner's house and Jane Shaw's homes, like where they were and where they last saw Tom. Um, Melanie's dad was backing into the parking lot when a bright light surrounded their car. Everyone in the car started to freak out, and her dad actually wanted to chase the light. He was like, what is that? We have to, like, chase it. And everybody in the car was like, um, no, let's not chase it. We're freaking out. Her mom actually rationalized, like, oh, it was a shooting star. She's she, like, anything, anything she's to like, make I have this. to defer. Yeah. yeah. Or, and, and to make my kids calm down. Yeah. Melanie, Melanie and her sister were shaking in fear And her sister does not remember anything after that, after the light being shown into their car. Mm. Horrifying. So, Melanie remembers levitating and being laid out on a ship. Tom Warner remembers seeing Melanie laying to the right of him on the ship, but she doesn't remember seeing him Remember, Tom Warner is the little boy that just disappeared in the part that I told, and now he's seeing Melanie on this spaceship. On the ship. She doesn't remember seeing him, but Tom describes that her face was in complete fear when he saw her on the spaceship. Uh. Melanie says that there were other children in the room with her and that one by one they were just starting to disappear. No. I would be like, what the fuck is happening? 
As you lay on, like, a probe table. Right. So then she randomly woke up, and she was at a lake by herself, and she's like, what is going on? And she had to walk home by herself. Which is terrifying. Where was her family? Where did her family wake up? I don't know, but why did it dump her by a lake? It was the lake where they pulled into. Right. But But the car was gone and her family was gone. Right. I don't know. I, I feel no like clue. the aliens made a few mistakes that night. They were like, oops, and we forgot to place this human in the car. <laughs> yeah, one of them was leaving her by- Melanie by a lake and forcing this, what, 12-year-old yeah. girl at the time to walk home by herself. Please don't attack me, aliens, for mocking you. I don't know if that's how you sound. I mean, I'm not, I'm not mocking them, but they kind of should have known if they wanted people to not know about this to, to cover put them their back. tracks, yeah, put you back where put them back in the car. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so at the same time as this happening, Tom said that he was laid down on his back at the other end of the Shaw property, which remember was Jane's house, and a beam of light was surrounding him. So like he was laying flat on his back in their yard with a beam of light on top of him. I want to know: was he gently laid down? Like did he like? Or did they... Or was he, like, boom, to the ground? (laughs) We should ask his brother. For real, though. I know. Like, was he, like... Was the light... Floated? Yeah, was he, like, gently floated down, like, a feather, and he was just, like, aware? And he woke up, Or did the light shoot him down (laughs) to the ground? Or it just, like, levitated him? Like, I don't know. I don't know. We're overthinking this, but it's just... I want to know these things. I know. So he's on the ground, the beam of light surrounding him... And his brother was now behind him, and he was yelling for him to get up and run. And he basically told him that he couldn't because the beam was holding him down. Oh my god, that's terrifying for a child. Like, he was trying to get up and run, but he couldn't. Yeah. The voice that he had heard earlier that said, it's time to go home, came back into his head and said, quote, I'll be done in a minute. With what? With what? (laughs) What? With what? And why couldn't he see the thing. I know. And what were they doing? Ew, are they walking amongst us invisible right now? Oh my fucking God. Are they walking amongst us? <laughs> it's a different dimension. Because what if, like, in that moment, the thing was still there. He could hear it, but he couldn't see it. Maybe it's a different dimension. Or the light is hiding it. I don't fucking know. So many questions. Oh my God. So within a minute, the beam was gone and he was then able to stand up. So they weren't lying. He then turned around and watched the light just disappear. Mm. Jane Shaw said that seven minutes passed from when he had disappeared to when he had returned. What were they doing in that seven minutes? And was that seven minutes actually seven minutes where he was? Or was it like a year where he was? Well, I know. Did he? they right? spend a year doing something to this and kid and it was only minutes. seven Earth minutes here? Earth minutes? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. That's terrifying to think about. So what if we're talking right now and there's an alien in the room with us and we just, just like don't... sitting with its leg crossed, like, tapping its foot? Yeah, and they're like, and it's like, you are right about this. You're not right about <laughs> wrong. This. Very very wrong. <laughs> Look at these humans trying to analyze. <laughs> All right. Okay. So just a little side note. I think we mentioned this earlier, but Melanie and Tom, who remember Tom saw Melanie on the spacecraft, they did not know each other before this event took place. When they (laughs) met for the first time, outside of the spacecraft, of course, she said that she felt an immediate connection to him and that he recognized her from being on the ship. That's terrible. I have chills because 
She said that they why, had how, an immediate connection. Yeah, how would she feel a connection to him, even though she didn't remember anything? And then he was like, I saw you on the ship. Yeah. And he didn't even know that... That it was her... That yeah. she remembered being on a ship. And he, she basically described this connection that she felt with Tom as if the second she met him, it was like seeing a brother. That is terrifying. So what if that means that they were but, on the spaceship for, like, years together? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Living a life that they don't remember. And they actually were kind of like brother and sister. Or what if... And then they erase their memory. Yeah, or what if... It... Looking at it from... There's I, a fucking mosquito in my coffee. <laughs> stop it. Drink that protein. Ew, no. no I'm just kidding. Okay. Ew, that's like the one time when there was the thing in mind. I'm gonna put it down. No, it's because we had the window open. <laughs> oh, Do by the way, peeps? we left it peepers? open for the peepers <laughs> yeah. so you can hear them. That if you noticed episodes when we f- were recording towards the beginning because it was when we could still have the windows open. Yeah. People thought it was background noise that we inserted into our <laughs> thing. And they were like, how'd you get the crickets? <laughs> yeah, they're like, like what? it makes it spookier. And we're like, no, that's real. We had the window open. And we're like, literally, it's just in the background. <laughs> I have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. But it worked out. So anyway, I was going to say, um, sorry to get off topic. I was going to say that what if the aliens, when they take these people, are actually doing something where... They're strengthening human bonds and human connection. That's what they're experimenting But that's actually a good thing in a way. Or just, like, the way people connect and remember each other. Do you think when we die, we learn all this stuff? If it regards aliens, I don't know. I feel like we have to know everything when we die. I don't know. Yeah, but... I need answers. Unless you were programmed to never remember. Ugh. In which case, they made another boo-boo because a lot of these kids remembered. <laughs> the plot thickens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We could spiral off on this shit for years. So many questions. And in reality, it'd be a seven-minute Earth time. <laughs> Earth time. <laughs> Alrighty. So, moving on, there was another boy we mentioned named Tom Reed, and I'm going to talk about the story told by Tom Reed, who was nine years old at the time. We have a lot of quotes from him. Yeah, and just remember, like, whenever you're reading or if you do research on this, he's, like, the spokesperson of this event. He tells yeah. the most. He's the most open about it. Um, yeah, so just keep that in mind. And he's Tom with a T-H. Yeah. The other one, other little boy is Tom, T-O-M. Yes. So, Tom was actually in a horse show earlier that afternoon and was almost injured, so his mom, Nancy, called it a day. She's like, nope, we're done for the day. We're not, we're not doing this. So, then they went to eat and closed the restaurant, which we mentioned earlier, Village on the Green, for the night. And when returning home from the restaurant, Tom was riding in a car with his mother, Nancy, his grandmother, Marion, and his younger brother, Matthew. So, they left around 8.30 p.m., and decided to take a shortcut home. And they were actually driving across the Sheffield Bridge, which is six miles south of Great Barrington. And I have a quote from Reed. Quote, I was giving my brother a little fireball candy. My grandmother turned around to see some lights coming up, what looked like from behind the bridge or trees. We all looked at it because it was kind of a self-contained glow. It rose up a little bit. It looked like it followed the dirt road, which I'm sure it probably didn't, but it appeared that way because we could see it through the trees. The light started to bleed through once we broke into a little bit of a clearing. We could see inside the car so so the light was flooding inside the car. 
And then he said they saw a white light hovering about two stories high in the sky. And Tom said it fired rods of light out of it. Yeah. Which is so War of the Worlds. Yeah. And creepy. I know. And Matthew then looked to the right and saw a second orange sphere type looking thing. Yeah. And he then said he saw what looked like an amber glow on both sides of a dirt, the dirt road that they were on. So they saw a bunch of things, but I, I read in this, the, one of the articles too, that he said that the light that was in their car was so bright, it literally made it seem like it was daylight. Yeah. Like it was so bright. Like something obviously not of this world. Right. And it was in their car, so it's not like all the car... Like, it's not like someone put a car light on. Yeah. Like, it just appeared, and then their whole car was lit up. So then everything became quiet, and Nancy, who's Tom's mom again, noticed a disc-shaped object hovering in the sky, and she described it as looking similar to a turtle shell, and it was about 100 yards long. Which is weird, because I had read that the way... Tom, remember how we mentioned that he said he had an experience in 1966 and 1967? He said both of those experiences, he just also described it as, like, a turtle shell-looking object. Appearance, Yeah. He actually mentioned at some point that this one looked like an upside-down Hershey kiss. That was the shape of what he saw. So weird. Yeah. Suddenly, inside of the the inside of the car lit up, and outside noises returned, and that was the last thing they remembered from the car. Mm. This is another quote from Tom. Then that was the last thing we really remembered from the station wagon. He said, "It came to a stop off the right hand off the right side of the road. Everything got really calm. It was like being in the middle of a hurricane. There was like a barometric change in pressure. It was like." It was just like a dead silence. Then there was an eruption of crickets and frogs and it got really loud and that was it. Then we remember bits and pieces of being together like a hanger. Other people there, it was quite confusing. He basically said it felt like they were underwater at one point. Yeah. Because that's how much the barometric pressure Like it was drowned out and it was like that, yeah, that pressure change over your ears. And then I think it's terrifying that there was no sound and all of a sudden it was like Boom! Yeah. Like a blast of crickets and animals and... Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. And then Reed says all of a sudden they were back inside the car, but his mom and grandma had switched spots. And that's where the aliens fucked up again. They're like, um, was the older one driving or... (laughs) Just put them back wherever. (laughs) (laughs) They will not notice, but they did. (laughs) Of course they did. So the grandmother, Marion, actually was put in the driver's seat, which, that's just crazy. <laughs> that is so scary. And it's it's not even a terrifying thing, but when you think about it in that situation, yeah. it's terrifying. Because the last thing Tom remembered when the car lit up was looking into the passenger seat and seeing his grandmother's, like, hair. Oh, God. Yeah. So... When they woke up and came to again, or they realized what was going on, the car was actually off now when it had been running before. Well, thank God, you know. I know, they turned it off at least. (laughs) What would have happened if there was no people in that thing? (laughs) I know, right? They then realized that about three hours had passed, but what had felt to them like only 15 minutes since the whole thing had started. Three hours. Earth! time (laughs) they must have literally like looked down at the clock and was like 
holy shit, it's like 11.30. That is absolutely horrifying, though. Yeah. That you feel like from when this light started till when you're back in the car and mom and gra- grandma played sw- uh, musical Swift chairs. Yeah. yeah. That it had only been 15 minutes and really you look at the clock and it's three hours later. Yeah. It's fucking scary. And none of you know what happened in that time. I would probably poop my pants. Probably. And then the aliens would take it up and analyze. Right? (laughs) They do a little stool sample. Yeah. (laughs) Marianne, who was Tom's grandma, drove back to Sheffield for help because she was now driving. Um, There was multiple other people that reported sightings that night. And it was actually about 40 people in total. That's crazy. They all said that there were strange light, strange lights and other weird occurrences, and the phenomenon is known as, quote, m- missing time. So that happened to a lot of them. Yeah, where they, like, did not know what happened for the past few hours or however long the time was, but they didn't remember. Ew. But what I'm thinking is if the first Tom had been gone for seven minutes. Yeah. Right? These people have been gone for three hours. What was happening? I don't know. How long had they really been gone? What's the time equivalent of alien, alien time to, to here? Time. Because how long were they really gone for? But what were they doing? Did they live it, a whole life? Would it really change in a spaceship, though? Because they're here on Earth. If they traveled galaxies away, there has to be a time difference. <laughs> Central time or Easter time? It's space time. <laughs> because who knows how fast that spaceship could fly. What if they just, like, travel... Like, what if they're eons and eons away from here? Ugh. Crazy. <laughs> so many questions. Oh, my God. Okay. Someone. Someone explain this to someone us. Someone help. So, now we're on to the next morning, September 2nd, 1969. WSBS Radio broadcasted the sightings. They were finally like, okay, like, let's continue talking about this. Yeah, everyone thought. Yeah, and this broadcast was actually heard in the Reed's packed diner. So that was kind of the hub where everyone went the next day to, like, listen to this radio. And they happened to be a part of the sighting. Yeah, probably why. They were probably like, I mean, he was so outspoken about it. They were probably like, wow, um, we want to be, we want to hear these stories and be around them with this going on, you know? Yeah. So Village on the Green became the hub when it came to UFO and judgment-free combos that day. Anyway, it was pretty judgment-free. And it was quite chaotic between people calling into the radio and even school children at school were, like, drawing UFOs in class. That is insane. And it's, like, were they drawing them because all these children experienced it? Or were they they hearing conversations and then were, like, thinking about it and, like, hyper-focused on it? Or did they see, like, a thing on TV? Yeah. Yeah. So, a fun fact, actually, the Apollo 11 mission had just left the goodwill message on the moon. So for anyone who doesn't know what the goodwill message is, it was a message of peace from leaders of 73 different countries, and we actually are going to link an article about that whole thing in our Facebook, and I'll put it in our show notes too, because that whole thing is insane. They put it on this, like, silicone chip, and it's just up on the moon, and it's weird that that had just happened, and now all these UFO experiences are happening. Fucking weird. Yeah. They were like, oh, a peace offering. Yeah. And not only that, this Goodwill message was actually manufactured by Sprague 
Sprague, I'm sorry, Electric, which was a half hour from Reed's Diner. What the fuck? How does that happen? What if it had the logo on the Yeah, chip? and they're like, where is this place offering messages of peace? What the fuck? <laughs> Ew, I'm freaked out. Like, what is the, what is, what are the odds I'm of that? I'm freaked out. Yeah. So, Ew. a little bit of life after. Tom Warner decided to stop telling people about it because they thought he was crazy. This is actually very sad for some of these people who felt they had this experience, you know? Yeah, remember, this is the Tom that got beamed up into the spaceship. Disappeared for seven minutes. Yes. Either floated or got shot back down to Earth. We don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And he was avoided in high school by, like, a lot of people because of what happened and them thinking that he was crazy for it. And later he got into painting as a form of therapy. So he literally paints his experience, which is beautiful, I think. Yeah. And he feels better now that more people are coming forward with experiences similar to his. I think it's cool that he was able to paint what he saw and experienced, though. Yeah. It really just brings to light, like, I don't know. I mean, and people... It it not only is freeing what he needs to get out in, and is therapy. a therapy for him, but people are able to enjoy, and if you do believe in this stuff, experience it through his art, you know? Yeah. So, Melanie, um, her sister and boyfriend at the time always believed her, and they were actually the only ones that knew about her story for a period of time. She only felt comfortable telling them, I guess. And she doesn't blame others for doubting her story, but obviously people did. Yeah, she basically didn't want to talk about it for a while because she was like, why would I, why me of all people, why did I have to go through this stupid, crazy experience that I had to have been abducted by aliens Mm -hmm. and now I have to be seen as crazy to other people. So like, I'm just not going to talk about it. Yeah. She's like, I didn't choose that. It was something that happened. Yeah. And that's sad because I feel like no matter what the experience you should be able to share what you've gone through and without judgment talk freely about it yeah and not have people think thinking oh you're crazy like that's i mean it's not the same thing in any way but me simply talking about my gift with talking to spirit on Some this people podcast judge that, though. was a huge obstacle for me and you can ask Kelsey yeah, i second guessed it. it so many times because which my medium has been telling me I need to work on letting go of because that's part of what holds me back a bit. I am scared that people are going to think I'm I'm crazy or I have something wrong with me or, you know, but at the same time... You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there are going to be people who don't believe in it. Like, that's just the way of life. It is. And it's... You should be able to share your experience no matter what. Mm -hmm. Poor Melanie. Yeah. I feel bad for her. She's beautiful, by the way. She's really pretty. Really? Yeah. Anyway, so Tom... (laughs) We are ranting tonight. (laughs) Tom Reed, um, who we had mentioned earlier, I had mentioned that he's the, like, the face of um, this incident happening. He Mm -hmm. still talks openly about his his experience all the time. Mm -hmm. His story has also remained consistent for 51 years. Like, nothing has changed. And I feel like you can't, if you're lying about something, little things slip up here and there. And his has been consistent for 51 years. Yeah. He actually passed a polygraph test telling his account of that night. Which, iffy about polygraphs anyway, but still, the fact that he passed it, like, he believed that this happened to Mm -hmm. him. Um, 
This would cause fights with other students in school. His mother, Nancy, did not tell many people besides those that frequent her diner. Um, they actually were treated differently after their experience, and it was really hard on the family, specifically Nancy, his mom. That's really sad. And I'm sorry. Even if a child came up with this elaborate story just, like, out of imagination or something, why would their brother, their grandmother, their mother All go along it. with it? Yeah. You know? It doesn't make any sense. No. Nancy said people actually tailgated her, and one person followed her all the way up to her driveway one day. A man jumped on the table and exposed himself to Tom and Nancy, saying, quote, Well, if you want to see something out of this world, Nancy, I'll show you something out of this world. I do not have words for this man. That is so gross. I so mean, gross. I hope he was arrested. For public exposure. Did that even indecency? Who knows? I hope hit the aliens orbed his junk up to outer space. <laughs> That's that. And they fixed him. <laughs> because that is so awful to not yeah. only do that to someone in general, but to do that because of an experience that someone's had. To like harass them for Yeah. It. She eventually said that and all he thinks, of this and he thinks it's out of this world. Yeah, fucking gross. <laughs> I'm sure it was not. She said that all of this was, like, getting to her over the years, and basically she couldn't take it anymore, and her heart was broken, um, so she sold the house and the diner and ended up moving away. That is so I feel so bad that she had to leave because of the harassment. Yeah, to pick up your life where you you wanted to start a good one for your children and stuff, and then you have to pick everything up and leave it. Horrible. This was actually, quote, um, some quotes from Tom Reed. He said, quote, the cops had to eat in our diner to keep the peace. It divided the community. That's horrible. Here's another quote. Uh, we went through a lot there. We went through a lot. There was a lot of struggles. The pain and the hardships came from some of the locals. Horrible. And the last quote he said was, What I saw changed my life. I used to be an altar boy. I don't have my faith anymore. It's gone. You start to think, why are we here and what all this means? I mean, yeah. I know. Like, that's literally a life-changing experience. It's a spiritual awakening, but in a whole complete other level. Yeah. Because you physically had this experience. Ugh. And really, I mean, we we talked about it in the Area 51 episode with, when you think about it, we're like this little blip in the universe, you know? And when you experience something like that, it has to be an eye-opener to... You're like, who knows what else? So much more. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is Jane Green's uh, life after now. She's saying uh, that she thought no one would believe her until she heard more stories of people seeing the UFOs that night. She's gained more confidence and comfort in telling her stories with the most recent stories coming out about Navy pilots seeing objects. She's like, okay, if the Navy seeing them, right. then I can talk about it. Yeah. She hopes more people will be open-minded about this in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel so bad that these people went through so much in their life, and it has affected them so greatly. And it's, like, taboo to talk about it. I know. So, the Berkshire historian, Gary Lavelle, looked into the case and could not find any reports of UFO sightings in the local newspaper for the month of September of 1969. Mm-hmm. He believes that it was not reported because... 
He, he believes it was not reported on because people thought it was a joke. Um, he talked to a local editor who said that he had heard about the sightings but thought they were fake, so he didn't put any of them in the newspaper. Mm. So they just like, didn't. We don't want to have that attached to our name. Right. And I mean, it could have simply been that too where you have someone, and I'm not saying this guy is a non-believer, but you yeah. could have someone who's a non-believer in charge of the newspaper and they're like, I'm not putting this bullshit in my paper. Right, or his boss was when yeah. he got in trouble. Yeah. So over 45 years later, the Great Barrington Histor- Historical Society officially recognized this as, quote, the first off-world slash UFO case in the U.S. history. That's a biggie. That's a huge thing to have mm-hmm. that recognition. Yeah. Wow. So, Debbie Opperman, the Society's director, says, quote, From our perspective, it's a significantly historic event. Basically because it's an event that was important to many people in South County at that time. There were several eyewitnesses and WSBS reported on it, so it is historically significant. Yeah. And Reed says he remembers more than he would like to. <sighs> Which I think is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Yeah. You know. So I have a big quote from him. We encountered something. It was definitely not of this world. We had a black and white television at the time and the imagery that we saw on this thing was unbelievable. Unbelievable. There were lights that looked like fluorescent tubing inside this hangar. This hangar thing we were in was huge. It was larger than a football field. This hallway we had seen was circular with a Y configuration almost to control the flow of traffic. This one room had a bowed-in wall that was rounded. This was not something that you would have seen in 1969 anywhere else. I have no idea where I was, but I know that what I saw was very different than anything I've ever seen today 50 years later. Oh my god. Which, there's so much detail. So much. So, there's a replica of the UFO that Reed saw that night on display at the UFO Museum in Roswell, New Mexico. Which we had mentioned in our Which is going case. to be part of our coffee tour. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a quote for this as well. Um, actually, yeah, from Reed. Yeah. Yeah. So, there must have been 20 or 30 sketches that were drawn by children in our fourth grade class from what they saw. They hung underneath our class board in the Sheffield Center School. More than one of those hang in the Roswell Museum today. People don't realize the significance of this, and so it wasn't just us. Crazy. Yeah. I really want to see those drawings. I wonder if, like, he drew them first, though. Like, you know, I don't know. And if kids mimicked? Yeah. I don't know. Or jump. I mean, I'm sure their work, just like the... Uh, witch trials. I'm sure there were people that jumped on the bandwagon to yeah. be part of it or yeah. just wanted to feed into it. But I'm, I mean, I believe in aliens, so I'm, I'm sure there were stories that were true. Yeah. So in 1992, Reed's family attorney brought the event to the United Nations where they talked about making an entire unit to study ident- unidentified flying objects. That's mm. huge. Mm-hmm. Reed's father, who was planning a book on the family's experiences, died, quote, under questionable circumstances 14 years later. So this is another quote from Tom. He said, quote, Although it was tough to think about, there were nightmares. Days where my brother and I had to sleep in the living room on a sofa in a love seat. We didn't want to go to our room. We wanted to stay downstairs, and our parents would stay down there with us because we were pretty shook up about it. 
I was scared, nervous, upset about what took place and couldn't make sense of it, but now it's historic. Aww. Yeah. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts officially inducted Tom Reed into the United States history when the state archived his event as a historic as historically true. Wow. Um, this made the front page of the Boston Globe in 2015. State documents and polygraph results can now be seen at www.ufopark.org. We'll link that as well. Mm-hmm. In August of 2015, a 5,000-pound granite monument paid for by the people that claim they saw something that night was unveiled near the Sheffield Bridge, which we had talked about. Um, Tom Reed helped convince them to pull money to build this. It was said that on this monument, quote, the official induction of our nation's first off-world slash UFO incident. He also formed a non-profit UFO monument park incorporation to maintain the plot of land where the monument stood. Mm. Wow. In 2019, which was about four years after this monument was built, the town unfortunately had to remove the Berkshire UFO monument. And this is a quote, according to the town land survey, the monument's location was on town right away and had to be removed. So basically they were saying it was located on public land and not private property. Um, So it had to be taken out. I'm sure the people who are non-believers had a big Saying part of that, that. yeah because yeah. it was on public it was probably public land yeah and it was probably continual controversy yeah. just in the town you know yeah cars are no longer allowed to drive over the covered bridge that reed reed and his family drove through that night there is now a ufo park in reed's honor and tom manages it uh, released on July 1st, 2020, as part of the first volume of Netflix reboot of Unsolved Mysteries, which we had talked about. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, it's Berkshire's or Berkshire's UFO, and it's episode five mm-hmm. of the Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Check it out if you haven't. It's, it's really good. It's very good. So, ending it with some theories. Uh, first theory is obviously... That it was a UFO or UFOs. Aliens exist. That's the one I believe. I do too. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not alien, like it's something. It's something otherworldly, you know. And the second theory was that it was a hoax. Obviously, this is from the other side of To get like attention. People. Yeah. And which granted there might be some people who were reporting stories and didn't really see anything that night. Yeah. The third theory is that it was military or government related, which the Navy has referred to things, as we mentioned, and they, these documents have come out, I think this past year, right? Or 2020. And they refer to it as, quote, unidentified aerial phenomena. So they don't say UFOs specifically, but they're thinking maybe like... By saying that, it could be something different, like weather balloons, like yeah. Area 51 or whatnot, you know? And another theory is that it's actually military technology that we aren't aware of and whatever is in the sky and these people are seeing this, but we don't know that these things actually exist. Right. Which is I mean, pos- possible. possible. Yeah. And the fourth theory is that at least with Tom's experience, that it was environmental. Mm -hmm. And here's a quote from Tom Reed. 
The magnesium that was mined for the atom bomb in World War II was mined three miles or five kilometers from our restaurant over in Connecticut. Hmm. And there was also a lot of military. We ha- we also had command aerospace electric boat, which made the nuclear submarines General Electric. And then another quote was, you had some of the most polluted water in the entire country in the Housatonic River. It's so bad you can't eat fish out of it. There's toxic waste in that waterway. Hmm. So I'm assuming they're saying if it was coming from the water, it was some kind of almost like poisoning that happened and maybe they were hallucinating these things yes but so many people on one night yeah and they had the same experience and weren't going over the bridge with water yeah i don't know i lean towards some some, yeah something out of otherworldly happened yeah i do too that's where I would land. I, like I like you said, too, it doesn't have to mean that they're aliens or that they're little creatures with giant heads and skinny arms and legs, yeah. but, like, there's something. We, what we picture as aliens. I yeah. mean, aliens, like, yeah, otherworldly. It could be, it could literally be someone that looks just like us but coming from, from another planet. planet. Yeah. yeah. Much more advanced than us. Yeah. So, there was our another alien episode. Yeah. I also, in our links, included 14 UFO sightings on the South Coast. The beginning of that article has to do with the Berkshire sightings, mm-hmm. and then towards the bottom of it, there's, like, 14 other accounts that happened. Okay. So, if anyone wants to check that out, they're, like, little mini blurbs. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, you guys should definitely watch the Unsolved Mysteries, though. I'm sure everybody has, though. That was, like, a huge hit for a little while on Netflix. So, it's really good. Um, I liked, I liked this episode a lot. Same. It was different. I love anything regarding this kind of stuff, so. It really makes you think. Yeah. Let us know if you like this episode, if you want us to do more in the future, because we can continue to find these alien cases, episodes. these UFO experiences. I'm sure there's a ton. Or if you have one, let me know. Yeah. Speaking of a listener story, today we are going to have my friend Christina on here. She is an amazing human, and <laughs> she's been wanting to tell this story for you to you guys for a couple months now, and we were waiting for another episode like this to incorporate it in. Yeah, it was the perfect time. Actually, Christina is so sweet. She donates monthly to our, to support our podcast through our, um, host, Anchor. Yeah. She was actually our first supporter on Anchor. Yeah. How sweet. So amazing. And she's left us a review, and she, she listens to us every week. She's, (laughs) as I said, an amazing human. Yeah. So, listen in for Christina's UFO story. Hello. Hi, Christina. Hi, guys. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for coming on and, um, like, being willing to share your story with us. Yeah, of course. Anytime. I'm happy to talk about it. (laughs) We're so excited to hear. We'll let you jump into it whenever you're ready, and um, we'll ask questions at the end. Okay, sounds good. Um, so one night, like several years ago, I think back in like 2010, the guy I was seeing at the time and I, we decided to go up to Sunrise Mountain to look at the store, the stars, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you guys have been up there before. It's yeah. beautiful at night. Yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> 
Well, we walked up to the top of the mountain where there's like the clearing and we lay down on the grass and don't worry, there was no hanky panky going on. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know. <laughs> hey, hi. I know that, you know, it can be kind of romantic up there. Just a disclaimer that is <laughs> what we went there for. <laughs> and as we were laying there, um, once again, super clear night, so there were a lot of stars out. I noticed that one of the stars, it looked like it kind of started to move. In the beginning, it had just been, like, sitting in place. And I thought to myself, like, there's no way. But I kept looking at it, and it was definitely, definitely moving. And it was moving in, like, a slight zigzagging motion. I wish I could describe it a little bit better. I'm better, like, speaking with my hands. Yeah. (laughs) That's so creepy, though. That is so weird. Just try to, like, visualize it. And while it was zigzagging, it was also kind of moving away, like, back into the distance, almost like it was, like, pulling away. Right. And then all of a sudden, it just disappeared. Like, it just wasn't there anymore. It zoomed off. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it wasn't, like, a satellite or a plane, because the way it was moving, it wasn't moving as if it was in orbit or it wasn't moving across the sky. And with planes, you can also, there are little lights where you can tell that it's a plane. Yeah. So... The only thing that personally I've settled on is that I believe that it was a UFO. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. And we talked about that little like zigzag motion um, in this episode. And I feel like it's such a strange like motion to see something like flying like that. Like it's not an airplane, obviously. Yeah. And that's weird that you described it the same way as someone else has described it and from the episode yeah 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 that's wild and in fact i don't know what else it could have been and it was just it looked like like i said it looked like a star in the sky and it was just sitting there and all of a sudden randomly it just started moving and wow. i don't know what else could have done that yeah no. that's so strange <laughs> thank god it was moving away from you and not coming towards you <laughs> you know i almost wish that it came towards me though just so i can I don't know. So you could be orbed up? (laughs) (laughs) I would panic. And if it landed right there, I would have braced myself. I probably would have been petrified, but then just tried to put out good vibes and, like, try to shake a tan or something if one approached me. Let's be friends. That would have been perfect. (laughs) Maybe it'll just read off of my energy and know that there's some kind of good intentions or maybe it just won't care and it would abduct me and do some kind of like experimental <laughs> right and then erase your memory <laughs> yeah oh my god i saw that alien shirt for you too i know i'm so excited to have that i can't wait i've been thinking about it actually maybe you could wear it the next encounter you have <laughs> yes, yes i'm just gonna you'll see me there just standing outside now in the dark just looking up at this like, sky waiting right <laughs> Some That's kind of so encounter. crazy. <laughs> like, don't think I'm crazy. I mean, I'm probably am crazy for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Once did, you see him, you got to see him again. Yeah. I know. I hope so. Did really your ex? So. Did your ex see that? See that too? I don't think he was paying attention really because I asked him and he was just like, "What?" Yeah. Or he's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And I'm like, 
all right, well, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. So you're the crazy one. <laughs> right. <laughs> or maybe you're just blind. I don't know. But yeah, he didn't seem to notice it. I don't know. Maybe he was looking somewhere else in the distance, not paying attention to where I was looking. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Or not paying attention at all. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe he was sleeping. I don't know. <laughs> so how long would you say it lasted for until it disappeared? Like how long was the movement that you saw? It was very short. I mean, it must have been maybe five minutes tops, but oh, it wasn't that's... long at all. Wow. Um, I wish I would have seen it. That's so crazy. Oh, that's really crazy. Now I have to go to Sunrise Mountain. <laughs> and also just, we can stand there together. Yeah. Okay, deal. Let's do it. We have to get alien shirts. Christina's always right. down for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, anything else you want to add? Do you want to um, give your Instagram or anything like that? It's up to you. Um, I mean... My Instagram is not alien related. I just take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. You take really cool pictures. I mean, maybe now if I'm posting about aliens, maybe this will be my thing. <laughs> it could be. You should make an know, alien but... account and then come back on and give a shout out to your alien. I will. <laughs> I'm going to start just hunting them down. I'll be like a... You know that show about, like, the Squatch Hunters? Yeah. I'll just be an alien hunter. <laughs> I would watch it. Random noises in the woods. I would, I would watch it, too. Or I'll, I'll I can be it. your videographer. <laughs> yes! There we go. We're doing this. We're going to go on national TV. We're going to have an Instagram. We're going to be famous. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Christina. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. It was good talking to you guys. Of yes. course. Come back anytime. I know you have other crazy stories you could probably tell us. <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay, sounds good. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. So, yeah. Until next it. week. We will see you next week. Well, you, we won't see you, but, you know, <laughs> close enough. You'll hear us. Hopefully yeah. I won't be as nasally. <laughs> <laughs>